Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea, I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in today to the Tate Chronicles. Joining me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. My guest today is Julie Scaff, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Viz AI, that's V-I-Z-A-I, Viz AI, a leader in applied artificial intelligence and healthcare. Their mission is to fundamentally improve how healthcare is delivered through intelligent software that promises to reduce time to treatment and improve access to care. Julie, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. I was uh, reading through some of the things uh, uh, some of the blog posts and some other information on the Viz uh, website. That's viz.ai. Um, and one of the things that really struck me was how your platform and your technology can often really drastically reduce time to treatment. So c- let's kind of start with this AI-powered care coordination. What is it and how does it work? Yeah, it's it's great. Thank you. Um, and again, thanks for having me on today. So yeah, so Viz is uh, an intelligent care coordination platform that really aims to close the gaps between patients, clinicians, and increasing access to life-saving treatments uh, for patients. And so we do that practically by enabling multidisciplinary teams to view images quickly, communicate seamlessly, and coordinate care to dramatically improve patient outcomes. We actually started in neurology, um, seeing the significant need in stroke, then aneurysm, subdural hemorrhage, and other areas, um, because these are life-threatening conditions that are both acute and chronic. And as we've grown, we've recognized the need in other areas and have expanded now into vascular and cardiology. Um, But really, practically, how does it work on the ground is probably what you're wondering. And Mm -hmm. so our artificial intelligence essentially runs on images like CT scans, and detects suspected diseases, then alerts those care teams of those suspected diseases, again, like stroke, aneurysm, hemorrhage, subdural, um, pulmonary embolism, other diseases. Those care teams are quickly alerted through the Viz app so that they can view the images, they can communicate through a HIPAA compliant chat, and they begin basically mobilize to review and act. And today, this covers more than 22 million lives across more than 1,300 hospitals in the U.S. and overseas. Um, This includes actually now the majority of the top 50 integrated delivery networks. And there's uh, 35,000 providers who are actively engaging in the platform. Um, I think what's really critical, though, is actually something that's built into the DNA of the company comes from our co-founder and CEO, Chris Mancy. He's a neurosurgeon by training. And that is that Viz is really designed entirely with the provider workflow in mind. It's entirely designed around that workflow. So care teams, you know, they can really get enormous outcomes, improvements, and improve the quality of life of the teams delivering the care at the same time. Um, You know, so they're able to support a case from anywhere right, through the power of their phone, on the web, or at their radiology workstation. And this is really translated to 90% 
of our alerts being viewed within five minutes. Mm. So again, so those care teams can act quickly and then generate those much improved patient outcomes. You, you know, we often hear the phrase, the golden hour, which mm-hmm. is uh, when there is a time-sensitive uh, insult to the body in some ways, that, that first hour yeah. is, is so critical. And, and so let's kind of talk through the workflow a little bit. So maybe somebody shows up at a, the emergency department, uh, suspected PE or stroke or or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and and they an imaging study is ordered. And, exactly. and, and so uh, that image, uh, is it uh, transmitted just electronically into your system? Yeah, exactly. So we configure the scanners so that the image is transmitted to Viz, basically in the cloud. The algorithm runs, and then within a few minutes, the alert would go out if the algorithm detects a disease. Um, and so that's when, you know, practically speaking, it's like, getting a loud text message on your phone or again at your workstation. Um, and that's what, that's sort of the hook, that's the trigger. And that's where the AI is really allowing us to, to speed up and to your point, get into that golden hour. And so, you know, practically speaking, actually you've, you've got a couple, we've done a lot of studies of course, and this is where I think Viz is a little bit unique um, that there is significant real world evidence um, on the better patient outcomes from using Viz. Um, in a case like stroke, you know, you spoke about the golden hour. If there's a large vessel occlusion, the patient loses on average a million uh, uh, brain cells essentially per minute. So every minute counts. And mm-hmm. so by speeding up that time to treatment, you're actually dramatically reducing disability, reducing mortality, and then also reducing length of stay, um, saving a lot of time for clinicians. Um, so a couple of the studies have shown our LVO product, which is for stroke, large vessel occlusion, mm-hmm. has shown a 40% reduction in disability at 90 days. That could be the difference between somebody walking out of the hospital, right? It's also a two and a half day reduction in length of stay at the hospital, three and a half days reduction in the ICU. So those types of outcomes, okay. to your point, that's that's that golden hour. That's if you can do things quickly and deliver the right care for the right patient. Yeah you got a big outcome. And, and so um, let me kind of break it down to some specific questions I'm really interested in. Uh, and uh, some of this may be proprietary. If it is, I understand. Um, so how was your AI system trained uh, mm-hmm. to, to know what's normal and what may be abnormal? Yeah, I won't go into a, a ton of detail, but we're mm-hmm. essentially training on hundreds of thousands of scans. Um, So we've Mm -hmm. got a large team of AI developers. One of the really important elements is that they're training on uh, data. We get that from clinical research, um, lots of different repositories for that data. But one of the really important elements of it is, you know, you've got to be very careful. And this is another element we might talk about in AI, where you need to make sure that you're not introducing bias into the training. And so having diverse data sets, diverse mm. populations represented in the training is going to generate, you know, um, better outcomes and, uh, you know, more equitable, um, mm-hmm. yeah, programs. And so, so that has been a big focus for us, um, doing as much as we can to 
to reduce bias, eliminate bias. Um, um, and so um, as soon as the imaging takes place, is it really within a matter of seconds that the AI is is yeah examined? Yeah, mm -hmm. practically speaking, exactly. So every every scanner in the hospital would be directing to our cloud, and well, mm. the algorithm is running in the cloud and then alerting um, to whatever the workstation is for the patient, where it be their phone um, or again, you know, in in the hospital, like a, a radiologist sitting at their workstation, and so. Yeah, but that typically has happened in a couple minutes. And normal workflow would be sequential um, in a lot of these cases, and could take, especially in the case of uh, remote care, where you've got maybe a spoke hospital in a very rural area, uh, and you don't have the neurologist or mm -hmm. specialist on site there looking at it. It could take several hours for the care team to be alerted. In this case, you're you're eliminating that time. Um, and getting the alert within a couple minutes. So it's it's a call to action that is is pretty pretty profound. And, and so uh, is the the best practice with your platform is that all radiographic images um, uh, go go through the AI screening for lack of a better word, or just yeah yeah, yeah. and we do, and yeah and we ingest a number of modalities now um, non CT, CTs MR etc. There's mm -hmm. Uh, GCGs, there, there's, it's, you know, a wide range, but yes, that, that is the case. Well, and, and so in, in some cases we talk about stroke where there's an abnormality and the time element is extremely critical. In, in other cases, there's something wrong, but it's not time critical. Yeah. Uh, exactly. how, how does that, yeah, how does that get differentiated out? Well, I think, you know, it's all about the workflow again. Mm -hmm. And so in that area, it's really about understanding the workflow, the time sensitivity of the treatment, and also what's going to be best in terms of getting the the attention of the physician. So in some cases, you might be looking more at a batching um, for review of cases. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, generally speaking, yeah, it's all about the workflow and making sure that the right physician is looking at it in the right moment for that particular disease. Um, one of the things also that is key here is that care coordination and the referral path, where it's not just that the patient is identified, but you're actually getting them. So in the case, say, of um, you know identification of there was a cryptogenic stroke, for example, mm -hmm. making sure the neurology team there may be a PFO, there may be other things and a reason that you need to have a referral to cardiology. And this is another element where being able to communicate with those clinicians while the patient is still in the hospital um, without having to lose track and and loss of referrals is, is really key. Um, and so that's another element where the platform plays a big role. And so... Um the image goes into the AI platform, um, let's say an abnormality that's time sensitive is mm -hmm. identified and notifications go out to the team that's going to be involved along with the image or at least a link back to the image. Yes, right? exactly. No, they, so the, the platform itself includes further, there's the algorithm there's mm -hmm. the within the app. So they're able to actually see it there. And then there is the communication surrounding it. So they can do they can do their work within the application. 
um, to coordinate the care. But yeah, you're exactly right. The the algorithm is run, the alerts are done, and um, and again, they can do all of their work within within Viz um, to coordinate the next steps. Well, one of the things that seems uh, important for AI systems is the ability to uh, continue to train, and and often that may be from feedback. Uh, and so for um, where in the process where there be an opportunity for providers to give feedback on an alert they received of an image? Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah. So we are constantly getting feedback. We have a number of mechanisms for this. You know, one would be, again, looking at, at feedback from physicians. We, of course, have a technical support team. So we want to understand, um, you know, how the algorithm is performing. Um, and of course, we're, we've set, you know, our standards for sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value. Um, and so that is, that is to be clear. And then we're constantly getting feedback from clinicians. We're also running clinical trials um, and, and also have our own annotation team mm -hmm. uh, assessing it so that you're constantly training the algorithm to increase that sensitivity, increase the specificity so that you can reduce the number of false positives over time and certainly a high keen awareness of any false negatives, which is something that any algorithm developers is very sensitive to. Let me just take a moment and say to our listeners, um, if you're just joining this episode, I'm Jim Tate. And on this episode of the Tate Chronicles, I'm speaking with Julie Scaff of Viz AI. Um, one of the things about AI that we're all kind of learning about, Julie, is uh, the as the evolution of AI takes place, not only in healthcare but in other areas, there needs to be some type of guidelines. Uh, an, an example I'll give is in in healthcare, there is, a lack of a better word, a best practice now that uh, anything that's generated by AI that has to do with uh, treatment um, before an action takes place, uh, a human should be in that loop. And, and so, uh, uh, in, in the case of the work you're doing, uh, obviously, people, humans, put their eye on that image before they do any type of uh, therapeutic treatment, invasive right. or, or medical or, or whatever. Um, and, and what other types of guidelines, especially in healthcare, do you think are going to that you're aware of or we may see in the future? Yeah, I think this is really a fascinating area. Um, and there's a couple, there's two angles that I think are interesting if you think about it from a company like Viz. Mm -hmm. So one was a really momentous um, guideline that was introduced um, by the American Heart Association just earlier this year. Um, and they said that all levels of stroke centers must have an intelligent, uh, an artificial intelligence platform. Mm. Um, and this, this to me, this was um, a really clear statement of the real world evidence that we're seeing for the impact um, and the improvement in patient outcomes that you can have from uh, a platform like Viz. And so that's a big deal, right? These are not these aren't things taken lightly. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of stroke centers that aren't necessarily um, they don't have those AI platforms yet, but that's something that I think is really interesting that the AHA came out with that kind of statement. And I do think, you know, as as this type of technology is adopted 
you're going to see a lot of improvement in access to life-saving treatments, which of course is our mission. There's another angle to this, which is mm -hmm. that guidelines are also getting more stringent for hospitals. And we know that that's tied to a lot of things, including reimbursement. But the American College of Surgeons um, actually just set the trauma center standards now are that level one and level two trauma centers must have um, the necessary human and physical resources continuously available. That means 24 seven, 365 days a year, so that an endo endovascular or interventional radiology procedure for hemorrhage, for example, Mm -hmm. for hemorrhage control would begin within 60 minutes of request. And so that's a lot, but what it means is that's, you know, you understand the mark, the environment right now with labor shortages, staff burnout. Um, and so leveraging something like this can be a game changer to try to, again, streamline the workflow. And so one of the hospitals that we've partnered with, they started using Viz. Uh, and they actually got their time under 60 minutes. So they went from 62 minutes to 48 minutes um, from, from that end to end of, you know, getting it basically into procedure from the request. A really imp big improvement. So they are now within the guidelines thanks to embedding Viz in their workflow. And so it's kind of interesting, right, Jim? I think there's the, the angle of we are going to start seeing AI responsibly, um, I think, embedded into guidelines and there needs to be a lot of thought put into that but then you're also going to be seeing platforms and technology leveraged so that hospitals can better meet those guidelines and hopefully exceed those guidelines over time and, and so those trauma centers you're talking about where uh the designated members of a specific team are actually on the campus someplace or are close enough to get there within a certain amount of time. I'm sure that yeah. uh, worked out. Uh, but I guess the current workflow is somebody gets an image, uh, uh, looks at it, and then multiple emails or text messages or phone calls go out. Yeah, um, a lot of these settings, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's a text message, it's a phone call, it's it's an email to someone. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the instantaneous communication and, and, with the image, and so that's uh, right there. Just the one that you quoted uh, a savings of at least fifteen minutes right there. All things else being equal. Yeah. 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 Well, not only the time, but the fact that they've seen the image already mm -hmm. before they show up bedside or, or in the OR. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, current challenges of AI and really the future of AI in, in healthcare. Um, when I was at the HIMSS conference recently, uh, of course, since November, uh, the buzzword is chat GPT and almost every EHR I saw at the HIMSS conference has already embedded uh, chat GPT uh, into, uh, into their platforms. Um, uh, not really doing the type of AI you're talking about, but maybe generate, generating a patient-specific dietary plan or exercise plan based on their diagnosis, thing, things like that. Um, and so kind of in the background for most most folks, uh, AI and machine learning is just uh, was kind of a intellectual concept. But, but now it's being thought about so, so much. And um, like Viz AI, how old is, is Viz AI? How long have y'all been a company? 
Yeah, we've been around since uh, we're actually coming up on, on seven years. So wow. it's June yes. 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and when did you go live? Uh, when were your yeah, first? We had, we had yeah. our first clearances uh, in 2018 in stroke. Uh, and now we've got 11 cleared softwares and medical devices. Uh, and, um, and, and your customer, uh, customers you work with primarily health institutions, hospital systems? Yeah. yeah. Yes, primarily hospital systems. Um, and we're also now supporting, we've got other avenues like supporting clinical trials with our platform called Viz Recruit, which is a really interesting one and ties back a little bit to what we were talking about, you know, how do you collect real world evidence? How do you get feedback? How do you make sure that you're getting diverse data sets? Um, yes. we're, we're actually leveraging exactly the same platform we discussed to identify candidates for trials, um, for the clinicians to, you know, have a discourse about it, no matter where the visit, where the patient is physically. So this really gets at the discrepancy between rural access to, um, to care and that asymmetry that we have in the U.S. Um, but it's an it's an ability for them to enroll patients in trials uh, much faster and get those life saving treatments to the market faster. That's a it's a bit of a tangent, but it's an, I think it's an important element of. Um, you were asking just about, you know, who are we serving and. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and is it pr primarily um, hospital systems uh, in the U.S. or? Are yes, you, we're predominantly uh, in the U.S., but also in Europe, uh, Middle East and Africa. And so um, AI and its role in, you know, equity, healthcare, and uh, avoiding uh, actually whether it's implied bias or algorithmic bias. Um, in clinical trials, that's kind of what you've been talking about. You know, many uh, medication clinical trials uh, historically were based on, I don't know, uh, Western European DNA, mm -hmm. primarily. Uh, and so uh, uh, how are you able to really uh, address that is uh, that you want to make sure, I guess, that your, that your scans, your AI is, is training on from uh, a wide network of yeah. humanity. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really important point. I think you know if you're thinking generally the challenges in AI um, and AI in healthcare, I think the challenges in AI are kind of reflect the same things that we're seeing in society overall. And it has to do with if you don't if you have bad data in or if you have mis a misrepresentation of the mm -hmm. data going in then the outputs of the models um, are going to reflect that. And so I think, you know, the same approach that we're taking to research, making sure that we have diverse data sets by gender, by age, by um, by race, by backgrounds, um, having the full diversity of those data sets, that's, that's you know, just a cornerstone. It's a, it's a prerequisite um, to training yeah, these models. Yeah, yeah uh, that... Uh, is, is, is in healthcare, but in a lot of other fields, that is a whole area of research by itself to yes, de absolutely. bias, you know, the data sets essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's gigantic. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, training your models, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, facial recognition AI software, where uh, a lot of that was actually just trained off. Uh, images of faces on the internet. They could run software against that kind of stuff. Did 
did you just get a lot of normals and, and abnormals and yeah. run through your well, system? Yeah. Yes. And I, and this is a moment where I'm wishing that I had um, some of the leaders from our AI team on, but yes, that's absolutely correct. It's getting that huge data. I mean, huge data. So we were talking about hundreds of thousands yes. of, of scans. Um, and again, making sure that you have the representation from all of the different demographics we were talking about. That's how the models are built. Uh, I think it's interesting when you mentioned GTP, um, GPT-4, mm -hmm. and large language models, that is a huge opportunity for healthcare. Um, the ability to take unstructured data and natural language and establish the insights that could be applied. I think in healthcare in particular, this is a huge, this has been a huge barrier to efficiencies, increases in productivity, um, increasing access, bringing down the cost, all of these things, um, there are real opportunities, um, if done responsibly, if done well, that we could really make major improvements in the healthcare ecosystem. And so that's this is probably the area where I'm most excited about the next the next era. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't uh, agree more. And um, the use case that Viz is involved with is um, an area that is so primed uh, for for success, mm -hmm. I mean, just way that, uh, you, you know the AI systems don't get tired. They don't have a headache after they've looked at fifty images. All those kind of things that we've always kind of worried about. Um, yeah. We're almost out of time, Julie. But before it, before we sign off, where can people go to find find more about Viz and and what you're doing? Well, our website our website is viz.ai. Um, viz.ai uh, and yeah and you know that would be that would be the place to go we've got um, areas that you can connect with our team um, you know it's an exciting time and also uh, a lot going on in, in healthcare and AI and so I'm hopeful for the future of, of how we're going to deploy things and especially for as viz as we're moving into vascular and cardiology and these new care areas uh, expanding our footprint in the U.S., delivering more value to the to the patients that we serve. It's um, it's a great thing, and I, I appreciate you having me on. Well, um, I'm glad to have you, Julie. And, you know, it's great to see a use case that uh, it has already delivered on its promise. It, it's in the field, and it's working. Uh, mm -hmm. And it really shows the advantage of AI. To yeah, our, yep, to our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of Tape Chronicles. I offer a special salute to my guest today, Julie Scaff of Viz AI. That's V-I-Z dot AI. You go to that website. Julie, thanks for coming aboard today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now. <laughs>